the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! They did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. I am your host, Kai McEwen, back with the rest of the three-man weave crew, Jim Root and Matt Cox, coming to you live every single Wednesday on your podcast feed. Fellas, let's not belabor it. Let's jump right into the show. As usual, we have our normal cannonballs, right? That's Jim Root. He's doing well. We're going to get into our show, starting with our live dogs of the week. That's Matt. Hey, guys, let's all interrupt Kai while he's doing the intro. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) We're going to do our live dogs week. We're going to do blowout city. We're going to get into our power games of the week, our mid-major games of the week. Trash man pick of the week, which is a game you should not watch, but you can bet on it because like us, you might be a degenerate. And finally, a spotlight section. Today's section will be a little bit fun. I'm not going to spoil it for you today, though. We're going to wait until the end of the show. Let's start it off. Live dogs of the week. And of course, as usual, we do our recap. Last week, guys, not bad. Jim hit Manhattan, a winner at Fairfield. Didn't get Washington State, but hey, it was a good pick, Jim, still. Kai, yes, me. I had a good week. St. John's, they beat Xavier. Southeastern Louisiana, they beat Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. And guess what? Matt Cox got a winner as well. Winthrop winning at Gardner-Webb. Fellas, all around, congratulations. Matt's raising the roof. Jim, got a stuffed dog. Any words, Jim? Live dog of the week. Got to bring in a stuffed pup to keep the karma going. We we basically went four out of five because the only misses we had was Matt and I sharing the same miss. So, hey, four out of five on outright pups. That's, That's pretty good. Pretty dang good indeed, Matthew. Let's get into this week. Starting with Wednesday, got a couple options here on the board, guys. Pick and choose who you like. I like this first one, the Citadel. They are plus seven per Ken Palm at Mercer this week. Mercer beat them at their place. Possible revenge angle for Citadel. And Jim, Mercer's had some injury issues last couple of games, really the entire year. Yeah, particularly at point guard. Neftali Alvarez came back really briefly from his, I think it was a broken foot, a fracture in his foot, but he's been back out. And then Kamar Robertson, their backup point guard, also missed last game. So they've been in kind of third string going there, maybe even playing some walk-on minutes. Citadel's been fairly sharp lately. We're impressive last night, Kai, uh, mm-hmm. on the road at Samford. So yeah, I like that one quite a bit too. I think you and I are both going to end up locking in the Bulldogs. Matt, your thoughts, Citadel, yay or nay? I'm going to be on the fence uh, slash on the sidelines and not join you. I'm sorry to be lame here. Here's why, gents. I'm a little bit concerned about this defense. Yeah, Jim's trying to seduce me with uh, flashing the cute little pup stuffed animal, which is smiling so lovingly in my face. Um, Duggar talked about how he's like super concerned about his defense. He's deciding to maybe trial and air some zone at this point in the year, like late February, because his guys just can't guard anything. Um, they were just demolished by East Tennessee State last weekend. Um, Sanford hung 76 on them. I know it was a 70 possession game, so it wasn't like it was a complete disaster on defense. I just don't like the way this team 
uh, the way this team is trending. Um, so I know they just covered, but I'm sorry, staying away. I think Mercer pops up inside. They don't okay. like you either, to be honest. <laughs> I Good. hate not backing our boys in uniform, Jim, but uh, I guess that makes me a what a Quaker or whatever. If I'm not pro, whatever, a yeah, pacifist. No. Matthew? Pacifist. Are yeah. Quakers uh, also pro anti-war. I'm no? sure they're pacifists. The, the Citadels, the Citadels defense, the concern, but they can shoot. They can get hot. They can Got bomb. Arguably the best player in the conference. So a fun team to bet on in the money line special. Guys, other options here. We'll run down the list real quick. Bradley heading to Missouri State. Bradley, of course, a tough Missouri Valley squad. Rutgers, a team that's on fire, gets to go at Michigan, who will be missing. Juwan Howard, their coach, who did a little bitch slap of a Wisconsin assistant uh, recently. TCU is heading to Texas and Tulane hosting Houston. Our honorary fade Houston pick for some reason makes it into this section. Jim, any of those catch your eye in particular on Wednesday? I will be on Rutgers. Kai. Rutgers. They are rolling. Uh, they basically uh, like landed on the number at Purdue. Uh, I think it vacillated between 11 and a half and 12 and a half and it landed 12. That's their only like, not great performance lately. They won at Wisconsin, so they've proven that they can win away from the rack against a good team, a full-strength team, that was. The Badgers had everybody. Michigan will not. No Diabate for that one. I think Rutgers gets it done. Harper didn't look too worse for the wear, Matt. He had a weird tape on his finger. Uh, I think his index and middle finger of his non-shooting hand were taped together, but he's able to play and play effectively at Purdue. So give me the give me the Scarlet Knights on the road at Rutgers or at, at Michigan. Although, you know, Phil Martelli taking over is no downgrade from Jordan right. Howard, but I still like yeah. Scarlet Knights. That's kind of my angle. It's like, I actually, I'm going to bet Michigan, I think, the next few games. Maybe not this spot, but I'm like looking to maybe back them if there's like a market overreaction to no Howard. I'm not like saying Howard's a bad coach, but I just think Martelli is such a big part of why they've been so good and why he's, uh, he's really buoyed Howard, I think, behind the scenes with some of the X and O stuff, Kai. I'm looking hard at Bradley. I like that you put this one on the outline. Missouri State is so Jacqueline Hyde. And when they're in the right spot and they're motivated, they can be really awesome. But man, when you're looking at, again, we reiterate the high variance type of teams, there is no better exemplar than Missouri state. And we know how good Bradley has been. Uh, They can beat you inside and out and the way they're playing um, on both ends is really impressive. So yeah, I do like the Braves, especially given you'll probably get pretty good value if the line opens, you know, close to plus six. Um, I know Missouri state's got a pretty good home court advantage, but their analytic rankings are a little bit inflated given some of their mega efforts in big spots. Yeah, Missouri State home court scares me. Anecdotally, they're pretty strong there in Springfield. Yeah, Matt, they have a good as home. JQH. Yep. Rutgers, I actually, I do like. I'm not going to take it officially, but that's a good lean. No Diabate, and that kind of helps the, the no coaching angle. When he's back, when the players are back, I kind of agree with you that Martelli's not a huge downgrade there. TCU scares me because Eddie Lampkin might be still out for them. He, he'd be a big loss against a big Texas team. And then I don't want to fade Houston. So ignoring that one, but. I, th- I thought about Tulane. I thought did about you? Tulane. Yeah, I did. yeah he, Houston's two and two in the last four. Down the just stretch. Won, just lost an OT or just won an OT Wichita State. Yeah, they're not yeah. a juggernaut. They're a really good, but they're beatable. Yeah. A team that's with trapping guards maybe could wear down Houston with no depth in the backcourt. Uh, and then last quick point, Matt, Missouri State is like 340th or so, maybe maybe 330th in Haslametrics consistency rating. Oh, so perfect. That, Let's you know Data. why the, the team is really erratic. So, okay, yeah, Kyle, let you move on to Thursday. Yeah, a couple options for Thursday, guys. Well, San Francisco is hosting Gonzaga. Uh, if you're brave enough to take the Dons and give Gonzaga their first conference loss, by all means, you're going to get good value there. Belmont is going to Murray State. I like this one. I think this is where Murray State trips up after they barely survived Tennessee Martin. Temple is going to Memphis. And then there's a couple other ones. Wilmington at Drexel, 
Montana at Southern Utah. And if you're really feeling froggy and you want to hedge your NEC future, like, like the boys might be fairly Dickinson is a 14 point dog to Wagner. Most likely, uh, fellas, any of these jump off the page to you, maybe start with Belmont. If you like that one or go wherever your heart desires, Matt, you you can start us off. I'm probably going to take temple. Um, Temple. more so. Yeah, I am. I think they're going to get good value. I mean, I love Memphis. I think I've been saying like how this is a great time to buy low. I think they're a good national title future take, although some of that value has been sucked out. Just think it's a weird spot and you're going to get a good value. Um, if the Owls open double digit dogs, as we expect them to Ken Palm, as you mentioned, is plus 10 and you're, you're right. They've been feisty. I think they've found something with this young freshman sophomore nucleus. Uh, their front line is vastly underrated and they have those guards that can get hot and have big games. The temple backcourt gives me UCF backcourt vibes where they can certainly have, um, you know, 30 point explosions. And that's certainly what you need to knock off a Memphis team in FedEx form, Jim. Do you need Jeremiah Williams back? He's still been out. How much does that matter to you? Yeah, but they still have, uh, I always forget the other dude's names. They have they Dunn, have, they have Strickland. Dunn and Strickland's all I need. Dunn specifically. Okay. And, and why, especially with the way those, those, uh, their forwards are playing. Yeah, I think that's enough for me. All right, fair enough. Um, yeah, Memphis, also the, the spot you mentioned, it's weird. Like This is a team that was surging, kind of had some cockiness going to it. They were kind of feeling themselves. And then they got smacked by SMU. So I think either they rally and crush Temple or they're like, uh, maybe our at-large hopes are in trouble and we don't have the life of the crowd. Like, I don't think this is going to be a massive FedEx forum crowd like the Alabama game was way back in the beginning of the year. So I could see that being kind of a lifeless effort from them. I'm not going to take it though, Matt. I'm not brave enough to join you on that one. Kai, you mentioned you like Belmont. The one that I really like is Montana. Heading on the road to Southern Utah. We've seen them get a little bit of revenge on Southern Utah for last year. They, they, they knocked off the Thunderbirds in Montana. I think they've complete the season sweep for, for last year's just craziness at the start of the year when Southern Utah had two miracle comebacks in like the final minute, minute or two against this Grizzlies team. They're more experienced. I think they can go on the road and get the victory uh, getting about seven or so there. So go Grizz. Go Grizz indeed. And, and circling back to Belmont, guys, I'm kind of searching back to the archives here. I don't know the last time Belmont hasn't beaten Murray state in a year. So for Murray to sweep Belmont would be a bit surprising to me a bit, a bit unprecedented. I'm sure it's happened before, Uh, but this Murray state team is really good. They're, they're recent efforts. Maybe they're just bored, you know, barely beating Moorhead state. Tennessee state wasn't comfortable and that Tennessee Martin game was scary, Um, but who knows home against Belmont. They're super motivated. Maybe it won't matter. I think that game kind of re, uh, reinvigorated them. You know, I think they were yep. due for like one real like stinker and a dead, dead, dead spot against a very uh, vulnerable, beatable team. And that was it. So I'm glad they got that out of their system before this game. Heading on to our next section. It's blowout city. Actually, it's before we do that, yeah. Jim, I know what you're going to say. Let's yeah. recap for the fellas Come for on. The people out there. Our, Pup, our bets. We need, we need to recap the pups. Yeah. If they were snoozing during the first section, here they are. Uh, I like the Citadel and Belmont for my live dogs. Jim likes the Citadel as well, as well as Rutgers in Montana. Matthew likes Bradley. Temple in a long shot bet and Montana as well. So a couple of overlapping plays for the boys. Now we can go on to Blowout City. Fire in the hole! Starting with a good one here, Jim, that you wrote down for us in the handy outline. Hawaii is hosting Cal Poly on Thursday. Now it's only a 13 point spread, but I do agree with you. This smells like a blowout because Cal Poly one isn't very good. And two, this travel spot is a nightmare. 
Yeah, it's hideous. They're hosting Bakersfield on Tuesday night, the night we were recording this. 48 hours later, they got to be in the island taking on an awesome Hawaii team. I'd imagine this line's going to be a hair higher than 13 because of that travel spot. But man, this just felt like a blowout to me as I went through the slate. And even if it's not the biggest spread on the board, we're just looking for blowouts, guys. That's all we're hunting for. And I think this is a good spot for one. Yeah, Hawaii never led in game one. They're up by 16. Or excuse me, Cal Poly never led the first game. Hawaii was up by 16 in the first one. Yeah, it's a bad matchup, bad spot. I'm with Jim, although I think Hawaii smokes them. It's like not a great favorite because their offense isn't, you know, they don't play that fast. They sometimes have trouble scoring, but they should dominate the glass, dominate the paint against the uh, the Mustangs. Matt, a little bit of a, a strange one because it's a power six league and a team not traditionally known for getting blown out. Ole Miss is going to Auburn. 16 point spread for Ken Palm seems high, but Auburn is off that loss. Yeah, I'm just, I'm shocked that Ole Miss, well, no, sorry, maybe I shouldn't be shocked, but Ole Miss dominated Georgia, which I guess everyone should dominate Georgia, but they had like no players. I mean, Joyner was out. They're basically on like their B team, um, thin bench. And it's certainly a team that you, it looks on the surface that it's about to crack. But I think Kermit Davis continues to uh, defy the odds with the myriad of roster uh, landmines that have popped up this season. So I don't love this one as much, Kai. I think I'm going to keep it simple as a one and done in the section. Just stick with Hawaii for me. Auburn's 12 and one against the spread at home and they're off a loss. They're going to murder Ole Miss. I'm, I'm all in on this one. Yeah, Strong, strong counterpoint. Uh, finally, a huge spread in the Valley. Loyola, Chicago, minus 21 per Kim Palm against Evansville, a team that really hung in there on the road against Valpo recently. And a team that's been missing Juwan Newton uh, for several games now, arguably their best player. Who knows what's going on with him? Uh, finding information is difficult on the Purple Aces. Jim, do you think Loyola covers this massive spread? I'm not sure they've won by this much in conference play. I'd have to look back. They beat Northern Iowa by 27. Okay, there you go. Um, so they've actually been capable of this. It's tough because I think Loyola style points matter for them where they're at on the bubble. Like They need to start putting together performances. They're They're really reliant on their quality metrics right now, and they're they're, you know, ticking down. They're not blowing teams out the same way they did last year when they were top 10 in Ken Palm. Don't have the elite quality wins to really make a convincing case to the committee. I think they're going to try to blow out Evansville, but I, I like what Evansville's done with the lineup. They just put Blake Sisley in the starting lineup. So I actually think the Purple Aces are able to keep this inside a very big number. Yeah, and Loyola just hasn't been that good as a large favorite. I know they've they have that motivational edge. They have that. You know, we need to prove that we need to look like an NCAA tournament team, especially against downtrodden competition, but they just don't have the juice to do it this year. Like they did last season. Um, they can't suffocate teams on defense. And I just don't trust the offense as much, a little bit too erratic with the guys that contribute on a night to night basis. And I think they miss Marquise Kennedy more than people think. I think he's a big piece. He's been out for them too. They beat Evansville by 29 on the road. So maybe there's a little complacency to that. And there's the look yep. ahead to Northern Iowa for basically the, the uh, conference yeah. title. Yep. It's a big one. Uh, good choices, guys. Way to procure that selection. Power game of the week is where we're going next. We got a twofer on Wednesday and a twofer on Thursday in the Big East. Xavier is heading to Providence. Kent Palm has this minus two Providence. I would be surprised if they weren't at least a three point favorite uh, by odds makers here. This is big for Providence because this could give them the Big East title. We don't know what Villanova is going to do today on the day we're recording our podcast, but. Absolutely huge game for them. Jim, also a pretty big game for Xavier, a team that hasn't been looking great lately, and they're they're slipping in the seed lines in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, Xavier's wearing cement shoes right now. They are just sinking like a stone, really need to find a good performance at some point. Uh, maybe they can get it done against Providence, the, the almighty magicians in the end of games. 
Yeah, especially if Al Durham is still out. He missed over the weekend against Butler. Still somehow came back from 19 down on the road. That Wow. Impressive that they came back, but you're down by 19 at Butler. Like there's some, I, I don't know. I, I know Providence fans will focus on the comeback, but mm-hmm. as handicappers, you got to focus on the fact that they got down 20 as well. That's concerning. But Friars, every game's close. They win basically every close game. I'm staying away from that one, Matthias. Yeah, and Xavier could be without Nate Johnson for a third straight game, who I didn't think meant a ton, honestly. But then you look at their last couple of games, yeah. and Travis still talks about their lack of depth. Actually tried to press UConn, I think, late in that game, and that was fairly effective. They didn't have the the horses to continue to uphold that for um, deep in that game at a high level of success. So I think that catches up to them. Even if Durham's out, I think Providence gets this done. Jim, you're right, though. I watched that. Or I watched some of the highlights from that Butler comeback. Like three different shots hit four different parts of the rim. You know, backboard drop. It just a continuation of this mirror, you know, magic carpet ride type. They gave up players. a wide open butt naked three for Butler to win in overtime, and they bricked <laughs> it. Like that's just kind of been story of the season. Their season. Yep. Yeah, Johnson does matter. The uh, best shooter. First game, Xavier was up two with under a minute to play. Providence, as they do, they came back without AJ Reeves. Won that game by three at Xavier. I'm hope if Johnson's in. I'm leaning towards Muskies. If he's out, probably stay away. I will too. I'll ride with you, Kyle, on that one. If Thanks. Uh, other game on Wednesday is an SEC bout. LSU is going to Kentucky. Kempom implies the spread will be nine here. Matt, LSU has him in gray on the road, but Kentucky might be without its guards. Wheeler and Washington once again. What say you? Yeah, actually, you could argue this as a decent money line dog candidate, uh, especially if they're without Severe Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington. Now, I think that's kind of getting too cute because Kentucky is just awesome. And I cannot believe they dominated Alabama so thoroughly in the second half without those dudes. Now they relied on a superhero effort from Kellen Grady, but that's not like fluky. I mean, Grady has that type of shooting prowess in him. It's why they're so good. They have multiple guys that can beat you on any given night, even without Ty Ty and Severe. However, Jim, um, I think LSU now healthier than they were having they have in the last month, looking more like the team we saw in the non-con, uh, a scary dog coming to Rupp here. Yeah. And a part of the the fact that they were able to dominate Alabama or, or beat them without Wheeler and Washington is they could bludgeon Alabama inside. Uh, Shibwe had 21 and 14. He's he's, you know, kind of inevitable. He's going to get his double double. But LSU is a lot more difficult of a team to hammer inside. They've got size, physicality, athleticism with. Reed and Days and Wilkinson and O'Neill, all those guys, I think it's going to be a lot tougher of a task if they don't have either point guard. It sounds like Wheeler's closer to returning than Washington is. I think Washington's more important, to be honest. Uh, I, I like LSU if this number is 9 or 10, which maybe it won't be because of the, the point guard injuries, but lean towards LSU there. At game one, Wheeler barely played. Uh, LSU won after being down by 9 in the, in the second half. Uh, come back there, maybe some motivation there for Kentucky and the revenge yeah, they, factor. They both, both got hurt. Uh, Washington got hurt in that game too. Yeah. So might be out again. Thursday, big 10, Ohio state is at Illinois. Hey, and guess what? Kai is going to be in the, in attendance in Champaign snow pending uh, for this game. I'm excited to see Ohio state live. I have not seen them live all season. I have seen Illinois. They're of course impressive. And Jim, Illinois, they still have a shot to win the big 10 get that one seed in the big 10 tournament. Certainly huge. And of course, would love to throw another banner up in the, in the rafters. Who do you like in this game? Man, I, I think I like the Illini. Uh, Ohio State, not been impressive lately. They just probably should have lost two in a row at home, but they were able to escape with the overtime victory against Indiana after the Hoosiers sort of blew it down the stretch. Sorry, Matt, but I, I would yeah. put that a little more on Indiana yes. than it would on Ohio State. Uh, and then they lost at Iowa or to Iowa at home previously. 
Illinois, meanwhile, I, I think they're a different team at home. Uh, they play through Kofi Coburn inside, who's going to have a massive advantage against the Ohio State front court. I, I like Illinois here. Um, I, I just think they are about due for a better performance and they have some matchup edges against Ohio State. So why not? Yeah, very curious to see how uh, both coaches play the Kofi versus EJ Liddell chess match. They played three times last year. Uh, Ohio State uh, took two of three, took the latter two, including the championship. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, Ohio State beat Illinois in overtime in the Big Ten title again, I believe, right? It was a high-scoring, fun. Yeah, those two should guard each other. They shouldn't, right? But um, so you got the question is, who's going to guard Kofi? How are you going to guard Kofi? And then vice versa on the other end of the floor. I think it's actually a fairly high-scoring game. I think both teams can score uh, at a pretty efficient clip against each other. Ohio State's offense has been very good lately. Just like last year, it's like, how will they, how will they be efficient this year? It's like, we're all going to be awesome. Oh, okay. Branham's been incredible. He's been great. Freshman guard. Yes. Like he's kind of made all memories of Dwayne Washington fade into existence or into yep. the ether. He's, he's been awesome. They need a guard to step up and he has delivered last game on Thursday. We'll touch on it's a big one. And yeah, we're including it in the power game of the week because these two teams have been playing like power teams. Gonzaga been doing it a lot longer than San Francisco, but it is San Francisco hosts Gonzaga. We, we threw it up there for conversation in the money line special, but none of us bit Matt, does the Dons do the Dons have a chance to give Gonzaga their first WCC loss in what feels like an eternity? The Dons do the dance up on the, uh, what do they call it? The hill up on the, uh, the hilltop there at War Memorial. I do not think they do. Kai. I love <laughs> San Francisco. I just don't think it's going to be a, enough. Um, I sure they keep them close that they always do with Todd Golden. But at the end of the day, I just, Gonzaga has too many horses. I think the Zags get it done and San Francisco's, um, butthole clenches a little bit tighter, Jim, as the bubble grows eerily close to selection Sunday with very minimal opportunities left to prove themselves as an instantly tournament team. Yeah, I, I I don't think they win, but I do think it is important that they acquit themselves somewhat well here. If they get blasted by 25, I think people are going to start the narrative that San Francisco blows out Pepperdine, Pacific, and bad teams and hasn't been able to pick up the good wins. They blew the big lead against St. Mary's. They blew the big lead at home against BYU. That narrative is going to pick up steam, and that is not good for them. They hung around for a half with Gonzaga in Spokane, which was mega impressive. Ended up losing by 16 on a 16.5-point spread, so right around the number. Mm-hmm. And just it, it, it feels so strange to anticipate a team staying in single digits with Gonzaga for a full 40 minutes. I, you know, Golden has pretty good plans against Gonzaga usually, but I just think the, the talent gap is a little too wide here. Holmgren makes a difference with his shot blocking inside, taking away the Don's big, big man combination. So I, I, I kind of think Gonzaga wins by 12 or 15. Gonzaga has not played a single digit game all conference this season. Uh, they are 58 and one in conference play last four years. Pretty good for old Gonzaga. Yeah, they are uh, three and one against the spread on the road this year, too. They've only played four road games, by the way. Uh, four total road games. That's wild. That's wild. Wild. All, all uh, in conference play. Yep. And I think some people might say, oh, they're not tested on the road. It's like, no, I think they view road games as like a it's sort of like a reinvigorating type of like, oh, we'll go into a hostile environment. We get to kind of prove how dominant we are and shut people up. So I, yeah. I think Zags on the road are kind of a good bet in conference. They rock. They're just uh, anywhere. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They are. Moving on to the mid-major game of the week. We got three. They're all on Thursday. Starting with a doozy. And we talked about it quickly in the uh, the money line section. Won't belabor it here. But Belmont Murray State is our marquee game here. It's not out of the realm of possibility. We get two OVC bids to this tournament this season, probably not. But if Belmont wins the conference tournament, Murray State has an at-large resume. 
Jim, you kind of tipped your hand earlier, but Belmont Murray state, any final thoughts in this game? I just think Belmont struggles with high level athleticism. That has been uh, the case against Murray. The one time in both, both times against Moorhead state this year, they have the outside shot at an at large. I don't really like their resume though. Uh, I don't think one win against Murray state and then losing in the conference final is going to be enough for the Bruins. I, yeah, that, I don't have a lot of take on the spread, Kai. Just I feel fairly comfortable that the racers get it done. Yeah, I like Murray State, here, Kai. Yeah, I, I'm just pretty sold in this team. Um, the talent is just too good. It really is. This next game rocks. Uh, Wyoming is playing Colorado State. Ken Palm implies a spread of minus four in favor of the Rams. This first game was great. An overtime win for Wyoming at home. Very, very crazy ending in, in both regulation and overtime. Bunch of guys fouled out, became a total ref show, but still an awesome watch. Matt Hunter Maldonado was fantastic down the stretch, posting up Colorado State's smaller guards. Do you think Colorado State wins this game, gets gets it back? More importantly, do you think they cover the four-point spread? Um, I I will not bet this game. Um, if you have to put it out of my <laughs> head, I will probably lean Colorado State just because they're at home. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't feel like a Wyoming team who already plays at altitude is going to be bothered by that. They've been there a million times. It's just fascinating that, Jim, I think we look at like the Mountain West and WCC and see a lot of fun, bubble-ish type teams that we want to get in the tournament. Um, so I guess selfish rooting for Wyoming to win this game because I guess Colorado State's probably more safely in the field currently. So this would put Wyoming probably a notch above or a closer notch on the right side of the bubble. Um, so I guess that's my angle. Go Pokes. Yeah, both these teams should get in, given what they've done so far. Uh, I just watched Colorado State get absolutely blasted by UNLV this weekend. They never had a chance in that game. Really disappointing. Couldn't produce easy buckets at all. Might have that same struggle against Wyoming with EK protecting the rim inside. If this was two and a half, I'd probably lay it with Colorado State. A little bit of revenge angle. It'd be okay with a three-point win. But if it's four, where Ken Palm indicates it, that's right in the correct line spot, Kai, where I'd, I'm not on either side. Yeah, I'm kind of leaning towards Colorado State. I don't know. This, this game's going to be fun to watch. That's, that's all I'm going to worry about is watching this game. Finally, on Thursday, South Dakota State heading to Oral Roberts. South Dakota State, folks, is one of the very few undefeated teams in its conference remaining. They have been dominating the summit this year. Uh, Jim, South Dakota State leads the country in three-point percentage, and it's not even close. It's laughably. It's ridiculous. They're shooting 44.3%. That is 4% higher than the second-place team. It's the same gap as the second place team to the 56th best team. Like they are <laughs> head and shoulders above anybody else. I was watching the broadcast real briefly against St. Thomas this weekend. And the announcer said, entering that game, South Dakota State could have gone 0 for 60 from the three-point line. 0 for 6-0 and stayed in first in the entire country. Wow. Uh, and in, in the summit, Oral Roberts would have had to make 100 straight threes to tie them in, in three-point percentage. That's how far ahead of the pack they are. Just insane numbers for that offense. Kenbaum has this total at 169 points, which is, you know, insane. Uh, we, we could see a total in the 170s here, but it's probably warranted. Matt, I don't know. I, I think South Dakota State continues their dominance in this league, stays undefeated, gets the one seed. As much as it's going to be highly motivated Oral Roberts to finally pull the upset, I think if we see SDSU upset, it's going to be in the conference tournament. Uh, I agree. Yeah, I think they get the win here as well, as much as I love what this Oral Roberts team is doing. Um, and Jim, kind of to your point, you're leading into my maybe hot take that I haven't officially put the stamp of approval on, but it's percolating in my in my gut right now. I think Oral Roberts does the same thing we saw last year. They run through the 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 summit tournaments 
And South Dakota State is left empty-handed again, despite a stellar, stellar regular season. Just what I'm seeing from Isaac McBride, the former KU transfer, uh, Vandy transfer, former top 100 recruit, Elijah Lufiel, um, inside. Or how do you say his name, Jim? Give me a pronunciation. Lufile, He's Canadian. Lufile, Canadian, that's right. Um, and then Max Hastings, I mean, absolute star. With the Spro Hero cape on. Um, that's my long-term angle in this matchup. Okay, I think the Jack Bunnies get it done. Yeah, I hope Eric Henderson gets to the tournament. He deserves it after that COVID year. Took it away from him. Uh, this is South Dakota State's best team per Ken Palm ranking-wise since Nate Walter's 2012 team, a team Great that gave squad. Baylor a run for their money in the first round of the NCAA tournament. That's shocking. This team is better ranking-wise than all the Mike Down teams. Um, surprising. Yeah. The, the one other thing, too, is that they have at least clinched an NIT bid. Like they, yep. they get the auto bid with the winning the regular season. That didn't happen last year because of the weird scheduling that they had to do with bubbling the NIT and not being able to invite the auto bid. So at least in that case, Matt, if they, they get upset by Earl Roberts, we'll still see the Jackrabbits play more basketball. Moving on to Trash Man Pick of the Week. The Trash Man Pick of the Week. I'm the trash man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage, and you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. That it? That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. Jim, it's a good one. I'll commend you here. Southern Miss going to North Texas. My God, guys. North Texas. Start paying attention, folks out there, if you haven't already. Up to 40th in Kempom. They might have an at-large resume if they fail to win the Conference USA conference tournament and Southern Miss has been so bad. Jim, do you think North Texas blows them out by 23 and what the total might be what 115 in this game? Yeah, I don't really understand how Southern Miss scores in this one. In North Texas, even when it's a bit of a letdown spot after two big road wins, one at the buzzer at UAB, maybe there's some sleepiness to them, but it's not a team that I perceive of as sleepy. They just defend so well. They're very disciplined under McCasland. It's just going to be ugly. I, I put my predicted score in here, Kai, is 58 to 41. I think Southern Miss doesn't hit 50, so I'm definitely leaning under unless North Texas hits a bunch of threes. Yeah, Southern Miss just had a four-game road stand. They lost West Kentucky at home. Then they lose in overtime by 19 points to UTSA. <laughs> and they lose at home by 14 to UTEP. And they lose at home by 14 to Marshall, who has been an absolute disaster this season. So just put yourself in the psyche of the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, who are hearing plenty of of hubbub around their head coach being on the hot seat, Jay Ladner, a guy who we thought very highly of, by the way, before he was hired uh, in this stead. I just would be looking to fade the Eagles the rest of the way. I just think this is a wave the white flag type of situation. Losing by 19 in overtime is a feat. Is in impressive. Insane. It is so Doesn't impressive. Doesn't even make sense. To UTSA. It's not even like it's UAB <laughs> or North Texas or a good team in this league. It's to UTSA. Uh, I love siding Ken Palm here. Ken Palm's side started in 2002, so about 20 years. Southern Miss is the worst Conference USA team ever in that time span this season, 345th in the country. Not great Jay Ladner, head coach of the Southern Miss Eagles. All right, last section for our podcast, Spotlight. And I teased it earlier, and now I reveal it. Road Warriors. Looking at the insane cover splits right now for road dogs, and we're not early in the season. We're late in February. The trends have been strong for the away pups Jim, how strong? Well, away dogs, Kai, this year on in about 3,000 games, maybe almost closer to 4,000. 52.5%. Wow. That's that's a crazy number. Like you, you actually be almost beating the juice by auto betting away dogs this year. And, and that's, you know, that's not common. It's wild to see it that stark. Matt, why do we think that is? Why, why are road dogs having so much more success this year? Is it line inflation or is it something to do with home court advantage itself? What do you think? 
Yeah, I, I think it's just a it's a continuation of the demise of home court. And you can look both within the college basketball historical precedents of what we saw uh, and what we've seen the last eight years. You can pretty much draw a line from 2010, 2012, 2014 uh, up through last season, uh, which, you know, home court really t- took a, a, a step back last year with the covid no fans. Some of that has lingered into this year for sure, but I wonder if you're right, Jim, there has been some line inflation when the odds makers now that there have been fans back this season, but really just the continuation of the demise of home court has actually offset that. And then some, um, I don't know. I have a ton of theories here, Kai. It, I think it's also very geographical dependent uh, just for context, like looking at the last two Saturdays road teams, 179 and 114 against the number covering by an average of two points a game. I was actually looking at some other like road second filter slices, like road dogs, road favorites. And you can't you need to be careful because just look at road teams in a nutshell and not covering by two points a game is like the odds makers on over 300 games have been short two points in their appraisal of home court value. So uh, it is a moment of reckoning in the college basketball betting markets. And we need to be aware of it. We need to be aware of it. And I'm always kind of skeptical on trends and I side from often, but to me, you know, is it, is it a, a lasting thing? You, you wouldn't think a team playing in Loyola affects a team playing in Washington. It's more of a macro thing. And if you can explain it away, maybe you have an edge going forward or you give more uh, credit to a team on the road and you're handicapping. Maybe it is home court in general with the way people are traveling better these days. I don't know. Caution when looking at trends, but also being aware of them is a very important. Yeah, one yeah, more I'm thing. Not, sorry, I'm not telling finish, you to but... auto bet over right. dogs. That's not. That's, that's right. Saying, but if you're, <laughs> Although if you had, yeah, if you had, you'd be you basically had. breaking even. I mean, there, I think there are 136 games over 500, but the juice would knock you down to like negative five units, negative ten units, or something. Yeah. Over 3,000 games, that's not bad. That's a that's a fun 3,000 game betting experience. Um, but yeah, it's just look for the right ones. Look for the best ones. That that's what we mean. To complete my thought from earlier, sorry, Kai, it's oh, look at other right. sports, sorry, not just within college basketball, the demise, but other sports, um, NFL, NBA. Um, so those aren't always the best proxies, but when you see it consistently happening across multiple other sports, I think you have to uh, put some stock in that as well. Anomaly or here to stay, we don't know. We'll let you hang with that, though, and say goodbye on our podcast. Guys, thanks for joining. A reminder to please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Listen to us on Spotify. And we'll see you next time on the Big Bets on Campus podcast.